What is your current net worth? 833676 That was as of last week. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at that. As the so I hope to be mother. over a million dollars. Um, this year, hopefully, wow. fingers crossed. Depends on what yeah. the market is going to do. What is up, guys? Jason here. Welcome back to the channel and our series, Nurses to Riches: The Road to Fire. In our last episode, we had a conversation with Ivan, the informatics nurse with a net worth exceeding three hundred thousand. In that episode, he tells us what steps he took to become an informatics nurse, working from home for more than fifty percent of his work week, but. Today, we have a guest whose story I know you guys are going to enjoy. Her name is Nasima. She goes by Financially Intentional on Instagram. She has over 100,000 followers, has written a book, has her own podcast where she talks to nurses who are also on the quest for fire. And she does it all while holding a nursing job as a single mother. So, like with every other nurse we've spoken to in this series, we're going to talk to Nasima about her nursing career, her finances, her network, and her future goals. And with that, Nasima, go ahead and introduce yourself. Let us know what state you work in and what led you to become a nurse. Hey, that was a dope introduction, by the way. (laughs) So uh, I'm Nasima. I'm a labor and delivery nurse of 13 years. I work in the San Francisco Bay Area, California. And um, actually, I have a non-traditional path to nursing. I um, actually was in healthcare administration for several years. I have, have a master's in healthcare administration and hated it, but all my friends were nurses and I love the autonomy. Like they was always traveling and they kind of just shaped their career however they wanted to. And so I was like, I'm gonna be a travel nurse. I'm gonna go to Dubai. I'm gonna be a prince's fourth wife and I'm gonna live the life, right? So like that was my whole goal (laughs) of becoming a nurse. But ultimately by serendipity, I got into UCSF nursing school and that's an accelerated nursing program, which means that you have to do a master's degree Um, on top of that and got into an F&P program. And so did my nursing school, came out, was a mom baby nurse while I was in um, my master's program. Did not do great in my master's program. As a matter of fact, I was held back a year in my master's program. But (laughs) right, in my second master's, right? It was like- It's tough though. Hey, being a mother while going to nursing school, accelerated. I wasn't wasn't a mom yet. I wasn't a mom, but I was black. So that's what happened. But <laughs> hey, I'm for real. That's what happened. And yeah. so uh, I got held back in like the 20th grade, but I ultimately did get my FMP, but I still work as a labor and delivery nurse. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what year was that? I graduated with my nursing license because you don't get a degree at UCSF in 2009. And then okay. I got my FMP in uh, 2012. So you went straight into it. You said you were practicing as a mom baby so nurse. I was working right? as a mom baby nurse while I was in school. Wow. That that's mm-hmm. tough. So I guess Yeah, it. I had a full-time job. <laughs> I yes, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you it wasn't, pretty it wasn't the toughness. Yeah, it wasn't the toughness of the program. It was that I'm not necessarily the best test taker. And it was just like Mm -hmm. one class where they were just, it was just based off of two multiple choice tests. And even though I'm like, I knew the answers to the question, I'm just not a great multiple choice test taker. And so that's all it led down to. It was like two points that I was off by and I had to get held back a year. But that's a whole nother story. (laughs) (laughs) So did you do anything with your FNP at all? Not at all. (laughs) I was so... (laughs) 
like part of my remediation was yeah. to work in a clinic like so it's like i don't know nursing school you know it's like hazing right it's horrible yeah. so like oh yeah uh, like part of my remediation was the person that failed me i actually had to go work with her in a clinic um <laughs> and so like then she realized oh she does know this stuff like i was like <laughs> running because oh, that's what I did, right? And so I finished that program, but I, I had PTSD. And so I didn't want to be yeah. an FMP. And plus, FMPs in the Bay Area, you already know, make less <laughs> than nurses. And the job yes. is like, I don't want to prescribe, you know, promethazine and codeine and Viagra all day. Like, that's what I felt <laughs> like <laughs> it would be. And so I just didn't do it. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> I work with a lot of nurses that have their NPs, their FNPs. And they're still in the ER with me. They mm -hmm. have not left because mm -hmm. they look at other sense. places they can work and they look at, they compare their salaries and the amount of work. And they're like, you know what? I might as well just work part-time in the ER and make just as much as I would have been making as an FNP. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. So do you remember how much you earned in your first job as a mother baby nurse? I think it was like $50 an hour. Damn, that's pretty good still because, yeah. you know, everybody else I've spoken with, <laughs> they're like, well, I made $22 an hour. I made $30 an hour. Well, I mean, yeah. you got to keep in mind, that's in the San Francisco Bay Area, but that was exactly. actually one of the lower paying hospitals in the Bay Area. Wow. It's a county hospital. And so it was yeah. a lower paying hospital. Their their pay has changed a little bit now, but they're still mm -hmm. kind of on the lower end in the, of the mm -hmm. Bay Area. So now new yeah. grads coming out usually make about $75 an hour on average. Yeah. And you're still at UCSF? No, I'm so traumatized by that else. place. I can't even. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Do you want okay. me to do work? Are we doing no, that? No, no, you don't have to. You don't have to. So where you currently work, are you still a mother baby nurse? I'm a labor and delivery nurse. So I did mom baby for one year and then I got trained for labor and delivery. And then I moved to the current hospital that I'm working at now. So I'm going on 11 years at this hospital. Wow. And do you mm -hmm. enjoy where you work? Oh, I love where I work. I love my job. Um, I especially love the environment now because the leadership has drastically changed. It was very traditional hospital leadership, um, like all whites. Like this hospital is like the only hospital in the area where you have to wear <laughs> white. Except for surgery and labor and delivery, we wear scrubs because we do surgery, right? But yeah, it's one of those traditional hospitals. But the leadership has changed over the last couple of years, and it has been a very enjoyable place to work. That's cool. And yeah. do you know how many hours you currently work? 36. Like I do three twelves typically. Cool. I mean, it's on very few occasions I do stay over, but it's not my norm. Wow. You don't stay over. I remember you posted one of your paychecks previously and you were like 200 K or something like that. No, but that's mostly so like towards the end of the year, I like there was like times that I had to stay over because half our unit was taken like taken out by COVID. And it just so happened wow. that my mother-in-law could stay with me and watch my kids. But other than that, oh, like awesome. I'm a single mom. I have to pick up my kids yeah. and drop off my kids. My dad helps. Um, their dad helps sometimes. But like during the week, it's me. And so typically I, I don't have the opportunity to stay over. So the most I can ever stay over is like four hours, maybe once a week. But I Wow. rarely do that 
So yeah, and it's two hundred dollars. Yeah, it's two hundred thousand dollars on basically just thirty six hours a week. Yes, that's how it works. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. how what is your hourly rate currently? Uh, currently, shoot, dang, it just went up. And so Come for on, me, bro. I have to factor in. I know, right? Yeah. I have to factor yeah. in my charge nurse pay, my weekend. Let's just say it's between ninety five dollars and a hundred dollars an hour as a staff nurse. I think it's a hundred and four actually. Is that day shift, time. night shift, evening? I only work nights. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with day shift. One hundred and four dollars an hour. That's it. One hundred and four sixty-two. Okay, so for those of you, of you people who do not believe that nurses earn over a hundred dollars an hour in California, there you have it. And this is it's a possible. benefited position. If I was per diem, wow. which I'll yeah. probably go, um, it'll be closer to one hundred and thirty dollars an hour. That is insane because I know Monica, my wife, she works per diem, but she's earning 118 an hour. So it's not even close to what you guys are earning at your hospital. But That's you, why, uh, um, you know, the hospital, we, we get paid. Yeah, well, I know. And for yeah. those of you that don't know, Nasima works in the highest paying hospital in California and actually the entire country. I I have a spreadsheet no, for think, those of you I that think, don't know. I think, El, I think El Camino pays gets paid a little bit more. No. Actually, really? Ours be you guys are neck and neck. You guys are neck and neck. It depends on which shift or um, because El Camino also has weekend differentials. So depending on which shift and which differential, sometimes your hospital is higher and sometimes El Camino is higher. So you guys are like really neck and neck. Okay. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. So how many kids do you currently have? I have two girls ages three and eight. And I know you, you mentioned that at one point you were working a lot of overtime because you had help me personally. I have Monica, like we, we have two kids and I don't even know how you do everything that you do because I don't, I haven't worked any overtime and I'm only working 20 hours a week. And doing this YouTube thing, I don't know if you noticed, but I stopped posting on Instagram as much as I used to. And part of that it's is hard. because, I mean, yeah, it is hard. You post every day. I do. It's really hard. <laughs> that takes so much dedication. And the fact that you're able to do that as a single mother, I give it up to you. I tell everybody, I'm like, you know, we, um, when Monica and I, we had our daughter before our son came along. We were like, oh, thank goodness she's going to be 18 soon. She's going to be out of the house. We can focus on ourselves. <laughs> and now we have a one-year-old at home. <laughs> but Monica, she's been picking up shifts. You know, she's going to be over 200K this year. And um, nice. me, I'm probably only going to reach like 130. But that's working 20 hours a week. You know? I mean, right? but your household <laughs> income is over $300,000. Yeah. Right? Like, that's I fine. That's fine right there. And your cost of living, I, I know, where you live, is yeah. very affordable. So, like, oh, that's yeah, dope. Sure. That's gold. Yeah. Yeah, I actually work with some nurses. Oh, man, this is one nurse. Him and his wife are both nurses. And last year, this guy just started working for our department maybe like a year, year and a half ago. No, almost two years now because he started during COVID. But from the moment he got employed by our department, um, that entire year, he was working almost every single day. Him and his wife made close to 600K, if not over 600K that year. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, I get it, but it's like, what are you <laughs> yeah. doing with that money? And then yeah. like, what about work-life balance? Like I, exactly. I, I could, I could, yeah. but why would I? 
right? Yeah. So one reason why I'm only working 20 hours a week is not only because I'm, you know, at home taking care of my son. It's just because before he came along, I was working a lot of hours. Not, and, you know, I don't know if you saw, but I was doing runs and runs is when you're working mm -hmm. like several days consecutively. I was doing a couple of those and I was just exhausted. I got so burnt out that I told myself I need to take a break from all of this. Plus, my mom is not even living with us anymore. She went to New York oh. City for about eight months to almost a year. She's coming back soon. So that's going to help. But yeah. while she was gone, I was like, this is too much for me. I am not going to pick up any hours. And Monica actually picked up the slack. Thank goodness for her. But. You know, I mean, it, it's tough when you're working so many days in a row or picking up so much overtime. You don't realize how much it can easily burn you out. Man, and I'm old. I'm way older than you guys. So I get right. burnt out. Hell <laughs> no, come on. I'm like, listen, listen. Yeah. My body can't Like, I am in recovery mode right now. I almost, I basically did just like five days in a row. And my body is like, yeah. Bing, like, what are you doing? No. Yeah. <laughs> you, what, you know what? Those 12 hour shifts, you know, they take a toll on your body. I work eights. You. you work 12s. I remember when I was working 12s at my department for this was only like three, four months. And I was like, that's it. I got to go back to eights. I can't take this anymore. And the fact yeah. that I'm able to if I do pick up on my days on, I'm able to get the time and a half, which is that's mm -hmm. why I enjoy my eight. That's dope that you can after eight. It's, it goes into time and a half. And, you know, that they'd be like, you want to stay like every time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, if the fact that I'm working, like I'll work one day on and then I'll have five days off and then I come back and I pick up one day, I can actually, I, if I wanted to, I could pick up like a 12 or a 16, like each one of those days. And it wouldn't be that bad because I'll still have time off in between. See, that's good. But, that's really dope. How yeah. you, how you do yeah. your schedule. But I don't know yeah. if you saw, like I work with one of the nurse, these nurses that works 16 hour shifts every single day of the year. I mean, she has not taken a break in over a year and a half. I don't know oh, how man. anybody does I that. I want to see labs. Right? <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> and um a lot of nurses that i work with are on like day 30 plus and that's a lot of them it's not just like one nurse here one nurse there it's a lot of them at, like at least 10 to 15 nurses that are doing that i know a lot of people that's like their lifestyle like they get into this yeah. thing and i'm just like why are you doing that do you like do you is there like an angle like is there a right? something i understand if you're doing that like for a purpose but a lot of them don't and i don't yeah. get it i, really I know don't. Like, like us, right? Yeah. I know what we would do with our money. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. I can see, like, listen, I'm about to take the rest of the year off. Let me knock these yeah. shifts out. Let me make sure I max out my 403B, my 457, exactly. and I'm out. You know that's what I'm right. saying? Like, I get yeah. that. Yeah. But I'm going to take a break. Like, the whole thing exactly. is I'm going to take a long break at the end. Like, I'm oh, not. Yeah. Uh -uh. yeah, I work with another nurse who uh, made 500000 plus last year. And she told me she doesn't even know where her money went. Come exactly. On. <laughs> Exactly. No, that's facts. That? that's facts. That's yeah. facts. That's how people think that they can out earn like their financial ignorance. Yeah. And then they get themselves in these holes. Like I'll, I'll make, I'll figure out my finances when I make more money, you make more money and yeah. you still repeating the same habits because you haven't addressed the problem. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we know, we know what it is. Right. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's get to the good stuff. Okay. Do you plan to retire early? Probably not. Okay. But the whole okay. thing is, listen, the yeah. whole thing is work is going to be optional for me. Wait. So the thing is this like running my business is hard. Going to work and yeah. delivering babies is actually a passion. I'm really good at it. And it's really easy and it's very lucrative. Right. So yeah. this is the, this is how I would structure my life. And I call this nurse fire. Right. 
Yeah. It's like yeah. I work when I want to and I don't work when I don't want to. The rest of the time I do the things that I love. But the thing is, is that I'll, I have already set myself up so that in two years, so by the time I'm 40, well, no, I'm 40. So by the time I'm 43, 44, <laughs> I will have enough saved in my investment accounts where I could retire and at traditional retirement age, draw down about $90,000 a year. Right. Yeah. And so to, that's close by to me because my cost of yeah. living will be probably like low, like $8,000 a month. Like that's about like what yeah. that equates to. Right. And so I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Like that's if I don't contribute another dime to my retirement after two years. But you know, I am going to. And so at yeah. that point, then I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just like work three months on three months off, still, you know, contribute to my retirement account, still max out my 403. I, I'll probably do my 457 more than my 403B because your 457, you can take that money out at any time without penalty because yeah. it's just deferred compensation. And the benefit of being at this hospital that I work at is that we have a yeah. 403B and a 457. Yeah. And, um, you know, do my Roth IRA because the Roth IRA is clutch. If I had an HSA, I would do that, but we yeah. don't have that. <laughs> but, you know, but I'll just do that, make sure I'm maxing that out. And then work whenever I want to and that way yeah. it's not like work because I'm very passionate about bringing children in this world and I'm very passionate about being a black female labor yeah. and delivery provider because of the black maternal and morbidity crisis that we have in this country and I think that my role in particular just my presence there is super important and so I don't ever want to give up that power that I have to be able to shift the system and so like yeah I will semi retire early but I'm working on my terms and best believe listen <laughs> <laughs> I come to work and I do my job and I'm the best day. I show up as the best damn nurse that I can be. But listen, if HR try to pull me to the side or they try to make me do some extra stuff, I'll be like deuces and holler at my lawyer. Like I don't play no games. So that's how yeah, I show up. Right. And I think that that's the role of a financially independent nurse is to be able to show up fully as yourself, to be able to be a hundred percent an advocate for your patient, but, but to be able to like, be able to sustain yourself if you have to walk away for whatever reason. And we know that that happens. Sometimes you get fired because you know, you're not complying with the specific policy or, you know, people hate on you and that's typically what it is. People just hate it on you and try to get you fired. <laughs> Especially so, when like, your yeah. presence is all over social media and they know about it. Yes, exactly. You know? Do your coworkers know that you are on social media? You know what's crazy is that I started this platform working there, and so they've seen me grow. So for the most oh. part, my coworkers are like they they have benefited from it, right? And so they know yeah. and they support it. It's when new people come into the mix and they're just like, oh, and then they try to start. And then we just like, so you just, you don't know. So you're not, you're not reading the post though. You see yeah. my presence, but you're not reading the post. So right. you don't know I'm not the one. I'm yeah. not the one. So for those people that don't know, what is a 457 beat? So a 457 is um, you typically 
offered when you have a 403B. And a 403B is similar to a 401K, except it's for like teachers or government organizations or organizations that are classified similar to like firefighters, like public service, right? And because the hospital that I work at has some kind of weird government classification because it's um, part of a township, it's really weird. It's it's really weird how they set it up, but it's beneficial because we have access to the same benefit like our local firefighters, our local policemen, Mm -hmm. our teachers. So um, we have a 403B. And then in addition to a 403B, you have what's called deferred compensation, which is a 457. And with the 457, you get the same tax savings. So you get like, if it's, if a 403B or 401k, you can say pre-tax, yeah, Yeah. pre-tax like 20,500, you get the same benefit in a 457. So now, (laughs) instead of just being able to max out the 20500 in my 403B, which drops my taxable income. Now I can contribute another 20500 to wow. my 457, which now drops my taxable income by $41,000 a year, which in California is really <laughs> important because oh, we get yes. paid so much as a nurse, but our taxes are crazy high. And so yeah. now my taxable income, if I made $100,000 a year, would go down to $60,000, which drastically uh, decreases your tax bracket, but yeah. exponentially increases how much you have saved in retirement. Yeah. So it's yeah, no a super dope benefit. The other benefit of 457 is you could take it out at separation or whenever. Um, you don't really? have to wait. Yeah, you don't have to wait to traditional retirement age. You could roll that over into a, a, a IRA when you leave, or you can just leave it at the organization and take distributions when you want it. So it's a dope ass early retirement tool because now that's that chunk of money yeah. was, and then you pay you pay regular taxes when you take it out. Yeah. Um, but you could just leave it there and just pull from it as you need to. And so and I love no it as the early retirement. No penalty, just taxes do. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Damn, I didn't know all of that. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. It's Girl, you dope. hit the jackpot. It's- I, hmm. What are you telling? That's why I won't leave. I'm like, you gonna yeah. leave before me. So you want to play right. games? What's up? Right. <laughs> and you said you contribute into your Roth IRA. How do you do yeah. that? Making as much as you do? I do a backdoor Roth. So if you make over um, the income limits, which I think like if you're single, it's like 104. Yeah, if you're married, it's like two something. Yeah. And I can't remember yeah. the numbers right now, but Google it. Yeah. Um, but I make over the um, income limit for a Roth IRA. So what I do is called a backdoor Roth. And the way that that works is every year I contribute to a traditional IRA. And then there's literally just like one button that you push in the back end. Like once it's fully funded, I put my $6,000 a year in there or whatever the maximum is. I push a button that says convert and I convert that into a Roth IRA. And then that's it. And the benefits of doing that is now I have this, my 403B and my 457 money that's like taxable when I take the money out, right? But your Roth Roth money um, is not taxable because you've already paid taxes on it and all the growth on it is not taxable. So I have my diversified taxation yeah. streams, right? This is taxable. This isn't taxable. And so it just depends on like what my money is like. So if I'm like taking a year off and I'll go live in Costa Rica and I'm not generating any income that year, yeah. I will pull from my tax, like, like my 457, which is taxable. Yeah. But because I'm not generating any money in that tax year, my taxes are going to be close to nothing. Yeah. 
nothing, yeah. right? Yeah. Or in years where I might work half a year, now I'll pull from my Roth and then it's not taxable, right? So yeah. it's, it's yeah. all, it's levels. This is about game. Awesome. It's about knowing how to play the game. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're doing it right. So what is your current net worth? It's 833,676. That was as of last week. Wow. Look mm -hmm. at that. As the so I hope to be mother. over a million dollars um, this year. Hopefully, wow. fingers crossed. Depends on what yeah. the market is going to do. Um, <laughs> and, and, but this is from yeah. like in twenty in twenty fifteen. Like I started my financial journey, and in twenty seventeen was able to pay off a million dollars in debt. So I basically started from zero at twenty seventeen and started build like wealth accumulating from there. So like this is just to show you the impact of being intentional about your finances and how short a period of time you can turn your finances around. And I know this number is huge. You know, when you say you paid over oh, close to a million dollars, I want you to like briefly break down exactly how you went about doing that. Cause yeah. it's like, it's astonishing. You know, the fact that you were able to do that, you were in so much debt and now you're net positive with your network. Yes. Um, when I started my journey, I was like a total Dave Ramsey fan. And so like, I did like the whole financial fees kind of like thing. And I did the debt snowball and the zero based <laughs> budget. And that really, really That's worked. Um, yeah. And so I did have some assets to sell. I started my journey and this is really before I started paying off my debt. I had a condo in LA and I sold it for a little bit of a profit and I sold off like some, I, I paid off like some big things. Um, but it was like before I really started learning about my finances. And then once I started learning about my finances, I learned how to budget intentionally. And from that point, I paid off like another two or three, no, like another almost $300,000 in debt. And then um, towards the end, I was going to be debt free by my 20 birthday but two things happened um because i was dave ramsey and i wasn't investing while i was paying down debt um i had to pay the irs thirty thousand dollars and then i went through a divorce and i had to pay him fifteen thousand dollars and i had just a little bit of student loan debt left so i had about fifty thousand dollars of my debt left and then towards the end i um sold my house and became totally debt-free. But a lot of people are like, well, you just sold your house and became debt-free. No, that's not how it works. No, At no. the end, I sold my house yeah. and became debt-free. Um, and that's because of the stuff that was tacked on at the end. Um, and so, yeah, that's how, that's how that journey went. And it, believe me, it was, yeah. it was under three years, but every day of that three years, I was feeling it. And it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that it was hard. It was just that it was intentional work like every day. And so when I say it's a marathon, it's a marathon. But when people look at the numbers and they're like, wow, it really took you like a short amount of time. No, it's not a get rich quick scheme. Like you want it to be, this is work. You got to put it into work and you have to be intentional yeah and a lot of people don't realize you have to it takes time it is not easy and you know it can be very enticing to just go on a nice vacation and spend your money on luxury items i i know it feels great when you do that but once that money is now owed to a creditor and you realize you're going to be paying that for a certain amount of years you tell yourself is this really worth it and that's one thing you learned early on and why you're not digging yourself into that same hole over and over and over again right so how many years ago did you really start investing your money if you, if you, so I didn't start investing until 2017. So wow. that these investments have just yeah. grown over the last five years. That is insane. And so, yeah, but that's how yeah. compound interest works. And I just invest yeah. in index funds. Like I'm not fancy. Yeah. Like I don't do nothing extra. Like this mm -hmm. is just my money that's invested in index funds. Like that's it. 
And people yeah, have, and then people overcomplicate things. It's just like, just get in the market, just start investing now. And time right. is going to show you, you know, yeah. how much you can build wealth. Like just stop tripping, yeah. stop trying to overanalyze. It ain't that hard. <laughs> I don't know if you work with any um, colleagues of yours that are into cryptocurrencies, are into, you know, investing in individual stocks and probably have lost a lot of money over the last couple of years. But I work with a lot of those types of nurses and doctors. And I tell them all the time, you know, if you stick to index funds, that's the safest investment you can possibly get into. And they have a good track record of being good investments, yes. you know. Yeah, I tell people that it's just simple. Like if you want to do all that extra stuff, less than 10%. Just let put less yeah. than 10%. I understand the lore. I understand yeah. like how it's gone crazy. And actually right now I recommend it. It's at the bottom. Go ahead and invest in it, but make yeah. sure it's only like 10% of your income. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just too risky. Like index funds are a sure bet for me. I agree. So what is your current monthly budget? What do you spend your things on? And then I want you to tell me how much you have left over at the end of the month. Like $12,000 a month is my expenses. Yeah. Uh, my take home like varies depending like from 14 to 16, 18,000, depending yeah. on what I'm working on. And so all of that stuff just gets reinvested either back into my business or into investments. I only keep like $1,000 in my savings account. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, being a business owner, a lot of people don't realize when you say you're spending a lot of money, it's actually reinvesting a lot of money. Um, because I know yeah. Yeah. a lot of the stuff that I end up purchasing, I don't know if you saw that reel that I posted recently, but I had to like upgrade my studio. And yeah, I, saw that. I, I was like, you wow. know, I, I, over the years, I've been spending a lot of money on this studio and it, it just keeps adding up and adding up. I follow this YouTuber who has over like two or three million subscribers at this point, but his studio is worth close to like $500,000. And it took yeah. him years to get to that point. But that's my goal right there. You know, I, I, <laughs> but I you know what, Jason, you're going to get sponsors. You're going to get brand yeah. partnerships. That's going to pay for half your studio anyway. So right. <laughs> that's true. And I noticed you have been getting a lot of sponsors lately, right? Yeah. And that's the whole thing is that I want to, like most people that come to me are at the point where they have spent the money, like they're broke and they're looking for a solution. So I don't necessarily really want to charge them for my services, even though there does have to be like a little bit of point where you have to pay to play because then you know if you just offer for free most people aren't um, gonna follow through but like a lot of my coaching and my services is super duper cheap and affordable um, and then I'm able to bring you free content in the back end because I have companies that pay me or I have speaking engagements that pay me so my money doesn't come from charging you boo like that's not yeah. where it comes from yeah. my money comes from the back end because I provide valuable content and share these brand these brands with you or these companies that can help you but don't have access to you because typically personal finance <laughs> has been you know looked a little bit different and so yeah. they can't speak the same language as I can speak to you I can't they can't break down concepts and so I have a very unique audience that they want access to so they have to pay to play makes sense that makes sense so how many yeah. student loans do you have do you have any at zero all? Okay. <laughs> I paid okay. all my student loans off and I oh, wish I didn't because I <laughs> I would have had all this time. So that I messed up. That's one of the biggest <laughs> mistakes I made. OK, this yeah, is a true yeah. story. OK, yeah. so like my student loans, I was aggressively paying them down where I should have been focusing on paying them down. But while investing and kind of balancing that out a little bit better, because 
ultimately, um, I lost $80,000 by not investing while I was paying off my debt. And even more because, like I said, I had to pay the IRS $30,000 because I wasn't reducing my taxable income. So now what? That's $110,000 that I lost because I wasn't investing by paying down my debt. And now look at it. Like COVID, all these, all, all y'all with student loans been out here having zero balances or zero payments. And that all right. counts towards it. I was on public service loan forgiveness. That was another oh benefit of working at my hospital. I qualified yeah. for public lo service loan forgiveness because of the classification. So yeah. I like could have had zero payments for all this time and been able to contribute to my um, retirement account and all that stuff, but I didn't do it. So I, ha even though I'm debt free, yeah. I wish I could have made a better decision as mm. far as how I pay for my student loans. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've watched my other videos before, but there was this one video I made where I said that me and Monica during the pandemic, because we were working a lot of overtime and they cut it all off because the pandemic hit, they had cut off elective surgeries. People weren't working as often as they were before because the hospitals thought they were losing too much money. So Monica and I had no savings in our bank account. We had so many loans we had to pay. We had our auto loan of $70,000. We had a, a loan that we used to purchase our house for $70,000. So we told each other when overtime does become available, we're going to pick up as much as possible. And we did, we started picking up and we ended up paying $128,000 of that within a year. But at that point, when we paid it off, we realized if we would have waited on our student loans, because they paused the loan repayments at the time, we could have reinvested some of that money because we also paid off all of our student loans during that year. And it was just like, I thought about it. I'm like, damn, did we really have to pay off our student loans? We could have waited. And that well, was let me tell you something, Jason, I'm sure Right. But I'm sure, Jason, like yeah. you are not tripping about paying off them student loans because they are a freaking hassle. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I do not regret having to deal with those student loan yeah. services. It was servicers. It was the bane of my existence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I agree. I agree. The fact that we don't have any debt except for our home, which is going to get me to my other point. Do you own a home? Are you renting? What are you doing right now? living expenses. So I own a house. I believe um, your house shouldn't be more than two times, two X, like your um, annual um, gross pay and yeah. mine's falls under that. But also uh, I always have an extra room that I rent out to travel nurses. Wow. So that decreases my um, mortgage by a thousand dollars a month. My mortgage is like $3,000 a month. Yeah. So $2,000 a month in living expenses wow, in cool. the San Francisco yeah. Bay area is not bad. <laughs> that's so that's why really I low. always post my salary and then people yeah. are like, but you live in the Bay area. That's like making $20,000 in Alabama. No, it's not boo. Yeah. It's yeah. not. You know, if I could get a nickel for every single time I heard somebody say that I would be a millionaire by now. <laughs> Exactly. You know, people have this misconception of what it's like to live in Northern California as a nurse. You know, you don't have to spend millions of dollars on a home. Like me and Monica, while well, we live in Sacramento and it's much lower the cost of living here, but there are other parts in Northern California, closer to the Bay Area, where you can also get, you know, homes much cheaper than what you see on TV. Like on television, all you hear is the expensive homes that you can buy in the Bay Area. But it's not all like that. You know, that's the median price of homes. That means that that falls in the middle. So there's homes that are way below that and there's homes that are way above that. You just have to be a little bit strategic. So yeah. um, I have a, a friend that works at my hospital. He works in the ER. He lives in Sweet Sweetport, um, Louisiana. He comes out here to work, right? So yeah. he has an apartment in San Jose. 
a one bedroom apartment in San Jose, which is only a thousand dollars a month. What? And he splits it with another travel nurse. Oh, so he only pays five hundred dollars a month to live out <laughs> here when he works, and that him and another travel nurse just rotate their shifts so that you know they're not there at the same time. They only yeah. work like ten shifts a month each, but like that's like ten thousand. That's ten thousand dollars or more they're yeah. making a month here versus mm-hmm. what he would make in Shreveport, Louisiana. Absolutely. And what he does is take his money. And invested back in Louisiana, where he's owning blocks. Like you talking about buying the wow. buying the blocks. Like he owns blocks in yeah. Louisiana. So like, there's power in being able to do geo arbitrage and you know work in the Bay Area and live other places. And I know you be trying to put people up on game. I be trying yeah. to put people up on game as well. Like it doesn't mean just because we get paid more, like we can't do anything with our money. Yeah. And I often do get asked by nurses in other states if it's possible to work in California and then travel back home, um, you know, and I'm like, I've, I have co-workers that do that. It is possible. You can work per diem here also and just yes. pick up whenever you want. You know, and then go back home on your days off. It's totally possible. I have co-workers from Canada, Florida, Georgia, um, all over uh, Texas. They're per diem. So they're like one hundred and twenty dollars an hour on average. And they they only have four shifts a month, four to five shifts a month minimum you know, that they have to work and that's it. Yeah. That's very similar to Kaiser also. And the way they do it with Mm -hmm. Kaiser is you just have to work four days in um, two pay periods. So you can put those four days at the beginning of one pay period and then come back at the end of the next two pay periods. So you can be off like 50 something days if you choose to do that. So you can take a break in between. Or a Uh, lot of people work the end of one pay period to be at another next and then have so many days off. Exactly. Also, I know you've mentioned this before in your previous uh, posts, but what kind of car do you drive? <laughs> <laughs> I drive a Tesla Model X. Okay. It's uh, 20, <laughs> 2017. Okay. So it's almost five years old. It'll be five years old, December 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I, I don't believe in deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> See, um, I don't know if I mentioned this in a previous video, but Monica and I, at one point, we're going to buy two Teslas only because we said to ourselves, well, our current monthly payment on our car, this was when we had a, a, a note on our car, was $1,270 a month, right? On one of our cars. Yeah. That was what? on our Volvo. We have a Volvo XC90. It was like a 70 something thousand dollar car. And um, we were like, oh, if we get a Model X, we can just replace it with an even lower <laughs> monthly payment. <laughs> <laughs> and no, then on top true. of that, maybe we can get a Model 3 also. So we'll have two cars. But... I used to have a Model 3 as well. Oh, man. So yeah. why'd you yeah. jump up to the Model X? No, no. I had a Model X first. And then I got a Model 3 uh-huh. um, because I was doing Turo. And um, like, so my uh, transportation costs were super low. Like the it was paying for my cars. And so like wow. my whole thing about personal finance is if you can control your household income, keep your um, living expenses low and your transportation expenses low, then, you know, you're winning, right? That you just invest the rest. And like, I'm like the F the latte factor thing. Buy as many lattes as you want, but keep those two things low. And so I got a Model 3 because I wanted a Model 3, but I wasn't going to drive it all the time. So I put it on Turo. And that thing, it paid for itself. I paid the price of the car and the insurance. And it was only being driven like, you know, a couple days out of the month. And then I had an extra car. Um, it it yeah. just got totaled. And actually, 
in oh, this wow. market. It got totaled and I bought it for like 30,000 something. And um, when it got totaled, the, you know, with the chip shortage, the how the price of the cars right. like skyrocketed. And so they had to pay me like 40 something thousand. What? So <laughs> not only did I never have to pay a car note on it, um, yeah. I actually got paid for having the car like $10,000. So I just That's pocketed amazing. it and I didn't get another car. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Did it get totaled yeah. by a Toro driver or? Of course it? it did. Mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> of course it I know did. you must have been bummed initially. You're like pissed. You're like, oh man, this, this was my car. What am I going to do? And then you found out you actually ended up winning in the end. <laughs> I did. It was, it, let me tell you, it was not a great process to go through. Like it would have been oh. better if I totaled it actually uh, because my insurance would have just paid it off real quick. Oh, but Toro, <clears throat> Toro, let me just tell you, like Toro is good at all things where when it comes to like the automation and their software is, is really, really good. Their IE is really, really good. Really? But yeah. the customer service, like when you have to deal with humans, not so much. So. <laughs> That's just my, my two yeah yeah so you don't plan to be on toro anymore after this is that what it sounds like mm, uh, i would but i just need to know the systems i don't have the time right now but i would i would do it again but the price of the cars is so high now like i yeah, that's, that's the only true. thing like i'm like so bummed like i got my model three for so cheap like man i would and i love that little car it's so zippy it was a bomb <laughs> <laughs> so you know with all the stories you keep telling me i always wonder why don't you have a youtube channel i don't know it's like okay so this is the whole thing right is that i know that i only have the energy for one social media <laughs> i mean like one outlet one kind of media yeah. outlet right and because yeah. i've had my instagram for so long that's what i focus on i've tried to do youtube and all that stuff i just it was, it's just a whole nother learning curve, right? So you're yeah. bomb at YouTube, your video, your quality is great. Like, I don't, I don't have the <laughs> the bandwidth to invest in that right now. Yeah. And I know I probably could be good on YouTube. Like I, I probably <laughs> would enjoy it, but then yeah. I have to learn. Like, I mean, I do know like thumbnails and all that other kind of stuff yeah. and just make sure to stay up with that algorithm. But you know, it's enough to just keep up yeah. with Instagram and they crazy ass yeah. algorithm. Yeah. And the bottom line is I want to focus on my own platform because at the end of yeah. the day, YouTube could be gone. I don't own that. You know, Instagram yeah. could be gone, TikTok, same for all of those platforms. And so yeah. I build my own stuff in the back end where, you know, I have my community and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm focused yeah. on. So I remember when we found each other on Instagram, I went through your website and listened to some of your podcasts before we start recording. You mentioned that you have how many podcasts that you've recorded in total? <laughs> Like I have like 200 episodes, but wow. also I have been on so many podcasts, like it has to be like 300 podcasts. So if you just type wow. in like Nasima McElroy podcast, like, listen, there is no way you can't go on my business. Okay. <laughs> like that's what I be telling people that date me. Like, listen, just Google me. Okay. Like I don't have the time. I don't have the bandwidth to like go over like on my backstory. Just yeah. Google me, get back to me if you have some questions, but the shit is out there. So, and I'm very transparent. Like, yeah. um, so there's no excuses. <laughs> yeah. So how were you able to manage the podcast and writing a book and doing Instagram? What does your daily schedule look like? It's crazy. But because I um, so like I said, um, I work um, usually like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right. And yeah. so those are the days that are easy to get help. So either my dad helps me or um, my youngest, uh, my youngest daughter's dad, like takes both of my kids. And so that is like. 
I cannot be without them. Um, and then, so I just kind of schedule all of my stuff on um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, where I have de that dedicated time off. And then I know on those Thursday, Friday, Saturday, my brain ain't gonna work right. So <laughs> I don't schedule stuff on those days. But let me tell you something. Um, when I was writing this book, my book, I wrote my book in eight weeks during the pandemic, during like moving, like I was getting my house built and I moved and all this kind of stuff. And then I went through a breakup and like all of those things like compounded, like broke me. <laughs> and so I had to take a break. So I'm yeah. really just now coming back like 99% of where I was at um, in like April of last year is when I kind of took a break. I had to like hard stop. Like I can't do all of this stuff. Like I had to take a break. And so like, I feel like it's up to what you can manage and you have to set your expectations to what you can do and don't try to follow somebody else and think that you can do what somebody else does. Like for me, if I'm not doing a lot of stuff, I feel very unproductive. Like if I have one thing to do, I probably won't get it done. But if I have yeah. like 20 things to do, I'll get it done. But that's my personality. That's how I work. And so you have yeah. to know how you work. And so like I'm the person um, when I was in college, I went to college full time. And I always had a full-time job. And then I had a hair shop. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. that's how I've yeah. always worked. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was in my hair shop six days a week. Oh, so, man. <laughs> yeah. So so are you going to continue with the, the podcasts or are you going to stop them all together? So my podcast is coming back in full force. And it used to be called Nurses on Fire, but I'm rebranding it for the Financially Intentional Podcast because I want to broaden the audience. Um, but it's going to be y'all nurses rocking with me um, along the way. But I want to bring in um, some more people in the personal finance space that I think you guys should know. And then I'm going to bring in some more experts. I'm going to have a, a standing segment with my lawyer that's going to talk about workplace rights. I'm going to have um, CPAs, um, CFPs, um, all kind of experts on there, um, nurse lawyers as well. Um, oh. So I, I'm just going to broaden it out a little bit more so that it, it reaches a general audience. But yeah, it's back. It's, it'll be back out in September of 2022. That's what I'm talking so, about. Yeah. So how, if, if someone's looking for you, how can they reach you? So just find me on Instagram. I'm always on Instagram at Financially Intentional. I also have a website, um, financiallyintentional.com. I have some amazing things coming down the line, amazing ways where you can work with me, a lot of great brand collaborations that are coming down the line, just a lot of things that are super exciting for my audience. So make sure you're following Financially Intentional. Make sure you're signed up to my mailing list from financiallyintentional.com. So that's where I'm at. All right. Okay, Nasima. So that is the end of our episode. And I am so glad you hopped on this call with me. You are one of my favorite guests. And I follow Aww. you every single day on Instagram. I'm always following your <laughs> posts. I love them. And, you know, I'm glad to have had you here. Same here. And I'm super excited to actually finally get to talk to you. I've been following right. you. I'm like, how do I know these guys? Like, they need to be <laughs> my best friends. And so this yeah, is like so sure. exciting. And I can't wait to continue to work with you. All right, that's it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. And if you did, hit the like button, subscribe to this channel, make sure you watch our previous episodes and follow us on Discord if you want to communicate with other nurses and potential nurses that have similar interests as you. Also, if you want to be a guest in one of our future episodes, make sure you hit the link in the description below and book an appointment to be selected as a potential candidate in one of our future episodes.